Hello and a very warm welcome to the Big Bright Podcast. I'm Emma and today as part of our International Women's Day mini-series, we're excited to welcome Natalie Brooke to the podcast, co-founder of a brand new initiative, We Are Feminist Leaders. Natalie started her career in campaigning for NUS and Oxfam. It was whilst working for Oxfam that she became a helpline volunteer for Oxfordshire Sexual Abuse and Rape Crisis Centre, which led to her managing the centre. Natalie has volunteered in other sexual violence support services and been on the board of Rape Crisis England and Wales. She is also a trustee of Xenia Women, a grassroots charity that brings together women to support English language learning and reduce social isolation. Alongside Leila Billing, she co-founded We Are Feminist Leaders in 2020 and also works independently as a consultant to gender-based violence of women's sector organisations, supporting them to develop and sustain their organisation and services. So welcome, Natalie. Hi, Emma. It's great to be here. So it's so nice to have you with us remotely and also to have a fellow Brightonian on our podcast. So just to kick things off before we obviously get into what you've been up to with your new initiative. Yeah. How did you come to find yourself at Brighton and, and what are you doing these days whilst we're in lockdown? Well, I grew up just outside Brighton and I left Sussex when I was 18 to go to university, but came back about five years ago. It was always a bit of a dream of mine to return to Brighton and live by the sea so it's super lovely to be based here again and lockdown yeah god it is such a strange time isn't it it's I'm a bit bored <laughs> you days very <laughs> yeah my days are very similar but I'm really making an effort this year I told myself I have to make sure I'm getting a proper break in the middle of the day to get some vitamin D and I'm a bit of a sea swimmer so I've the first year I've swum through the winter which I'm absolutely loving. Amazing and have you got any top tips for those who want to do some wild swimming? Don't start now <laughs> if you're, if you're new to got it. a really good wetsuit. Yeah, you need a really good wetsuit. It really does work if you do it gradually from the summer. So if if you want to go in the winter, I'd say start in the summer and and keep going and your body really does become acclimatised to the cold. And it seems to be something that a lot of people actually are doing at Brighton at the moment. I've seen loads of people down the beach. So it's obviously a bit of a, a thing this year, maybe for mental health reasons or just something to do. Yeah, absolutely. I think it really has taken off since the first lockdown. And it's, it's true, though, it really does have a massive positive impact on general well-being and mental health and it's I mean especially when it gets really cold it's extremely invigorating and a great way to start the day. So moving on your new initiative is named We Are Feminist Leaders so can you tell our audience and everyone listening is what your definition of a feminist leader is? So we talk about feminist leadership as something that is about applying feminist principles to the way that we lead so that we can achieve social justice aims and that that enables everyone to thrive at work. So for us, that's about the positive and inclusive use of power. Feminist leadership really is all about examining how power operates within an organisation and by doing that, building an organisation that's really capable of changing the world. It's also about subverting what we would normally see as traditional masculine notions of leadership so that we can change the way power is exercised and to do that we talk a lot about the need for reflection continuous learning really being mindful of the power that we hold as individuals so a lot of self-reflection there as well and how we exercise it and importantly it's something that can be practiced by anyone no matter who they are and it's not just something for women. And is this something that you were doing before in your consultancy role before we are feminist leaders or is this something that you sort of has come from that? 
Um, yeah, well, I, so my, my background, and you mentioned in the opening bio there, started working on gender and women's rights stuff through volunteering in a rape crisis centre many moons ago. And that was a huge part of my own development and understanding of what feminism meant to me and what it could mean more broadly. And so working in a feminist way and using feminist principles in my work has been part of my work for a long time, both within the organisations I've worked and since I've worked independently as a consultant. So some of the feminist values that you know are really important to me in the way that I work with clients and organisations that I support are things like collaboration, inclusivity, thinking about sharing power. Um, So it's definitely been part of the way that I've worked for a long time. But this new project is really sort of a culmination of, of that work and some frustrations which have led to this new idea being born. And it might be that this um, idea of feminist principles within leadership is quite new to organisations. But if an organisation is interested in becoming more open to these principles, like what other steps they could take towards kind of starting that process? Think carefully about about what you're hoping to achieve. So why why is talking about feminism and feminist leadership principles important to you? What are you hoping to get out of it? The thing about feminist leadership that's quite different from other forms of leadership, I think, is that it's not a sort of tick box exercise that you can run through, say you've achieved X, Y and Z and ta-da, you're an X, Y or Z type (laughs) of leader. It's much more of a sort of intensive journey that really requires a lot of introspection and analysis of how your organisation works. So knowing what you want to achieve is really important. I'd say look at your existing organisational values if you have them and think about whether they they do align with feminist values. If, If they don't, perhaps it's not a good fit for you, but if they do, maybe feminist leadership is something that could really help you embed and live your values. So starting to explore how relevant some of those values and principles are. So I've mentioned concepts of things like power sharing, but also accountability. Like what does accountability genuinely look like in your organisation, both for individuals and for groups of people in the organisation? Things like collaboration and building alliances and also building cultures of care. So how you how you look after your staff, how staff are encouraged to look after each other are all really central principles so if that chimes with what you're trying to achieve already and you're really willing to look quite deep into the structures and culture of your organization and commit to making change I think feminist leadership could be something that you would find useful it's something that a lot of organizations are looking into at the moment but they might not realize that's even a feminist principle so it might be the fact that some places are starting to think about these already Mm. and maybe Bit of guidance into the right direction and how to actually kind of un- unravel that and look into it. So I suppose that's where you come in and that's where the course comes in, in terms of how to actually structure that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think the difference with feminist leadership is it's, it's not just about saying, okay, we need to improve well-being for staff. How do we do that? Let's put a plan in place. It's about looking at why that's needed in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about feminist leadership and the need for cultures of care and self-care, about understanding the really like political often reasons why women in particular other minority groups might be for example suffering the impacts of COVID-19 more than other groups and we know from lots of evidence and research over the last 10 months or so that some groups are feeling the impacts disproportionately more than others so we look at why that might be and then use that as the basis for thinking about okay well how can you address that and support staff in a way that really takes into account the context in which they're living and and working kind of examining the the very beginning and the very roots of it before actually like you said 
it's it's not a tick box of yes we've put in that we've given you free gym membership yeah. it's like why do people actually need us to change and what can these changes look like and why is it important yeah exactly because you know those things as as brilliant as they often are for some stuff you know they're not always addressing the root cause of the problem like you say so you've spoken before about the difference between feminine leadership and feminist leadership and the representation of women in leadership so can you explain a little bit more around these topics yeah sure so often when I talk about feminist leadership people will respond to me and say yeah great we really want to get more women into leadership roles um, mm-hmm. which is completely understandable because feminism is often associated with women's rights and the representation of women in public spaces often what we're talking about when we speak about feminist leadership is that that is crucially important and getting women into boardrooms into management roles is vital to progress gender equality but feminist leadership as a concept is about a lot more than just recruiting more women into leadership principles Feminist leadership is a much more political approach and women's leadership, so what what I just described, is something different. It's it's basically women as leaders. And what we know is that there are many examples of where women get into leadership positions and they, they don't necessarily have the capacity the power, the access to decision making that enables them to lead in a different way. So actually getting women into leadership roles doesn't always achieve what we hope it will do because the context around them hasn't shifted. We do separately want to really recognise and acknowledge and value the attributes that women bring into leadership. So there are lots of things that are unique to women that bring value into leadership roles. But getting women into leadership is only one way that real change happens. What we talk about is doing things like assessing what happens once women are at the table. So do they have an equal voice? Do they have capacity to make decisions and to use power? Equally importantly, is every woman able to do those things equally? So, for example, are minoritized women, like black or disabled women, able to use power in the same way as a white woman? And if you're not able to analyse those distinctions, then, again, it's a bit of a sticking plaster almost. And it's it looks good often, but it's not really achieving real change. So would you say that the feminist leadership principles can be, you know, for any leader, so whether it's a man or a woman, and that's something that you're trying to get across is that you're, you know, it's, it's a principle rather than, you know, trying to just focus on female leaders, because I think that's where it can get a bit confusing. So it's interesting to see the distinction between those. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, the feminist project as a whole is, is definitely not something that only women should be doing. Um, mm. You know, it's about gender equality. It's also about equality more broadly. And that's something that I hope everyone buys into. So absolutely, we would encourage men and women to be thinking about how this applies to their work if they're interested in achieving equality for everybody. You've recently launched your 12-week course through We Are Feminist Leaders. And this is to guide individuals to become stronger feminist leaders. We can see, obviously, how this has come about, but who is the course aimed at? Who are you hoping to reach with this? We talk about them as emerging leaders. So people who might be in the early stages of their career or starting to think about leadership and management roles or even might might have those roles and want to consider how leadership might look a bit different for them so lots of people kind of enter the workplace and will be in a sort of hierarchical structure where sort of form and type of leadership is pretty set and what we hope to do with the course is provide an opportunity to reflect on on what that leadership culture is in your organization and whether or not you might want to do things a little bit differently Layla and I my co-founder we had our own experience we actually met on a leadership development program a few years ago oh really 
Yeah, and that's what prompted the the development of of We Are Feminist Leaders because we were really disappointed that the leadership models that we were being taught didn't have any sort of power analysis, didn't really talk about what power is and what opportunities there are to use power really positively. You know, we often talk about power as something that isn't always that positive. So, you know, Mm -hmm. abuse of power, especially in my world, working in gender-based violence power dynamics are you know, really strong and, and we're, we're seeking a ways to dismantle structures of power often in, in abusive situations. So uh, what we wanted was to have an opportunity to look at leadership through a feminist lens and, and through discussions about what power meant, but we, we couldn't find it anywhere. So we decided to do it ourselves and that's how, how this programme came about. It's about positive power. Yeah, absolutely. And, and also the, another thing that feminist leadership talks about is the difference between scarcity and abundance. So, you know, often we as a society look at power and think, okay, there's there's only so much power to go about and the people at the top have the most and the people at the bottom don't have any. We talk about power. We talk about power as being something that can be abundant and we can actually create more power. Like if, if we share power, if we talk openly about power, actually power can be distributed in a really different way where everyone has access to it. And that will result in, we think, better organisations, more equal organisations for everyone. So one of the principles you cover in the course is how to build cultures of care, starting from the principle of self-care for leaders. So how can people develop this in their company? I think we've touched on it slightly, but it'd be really interesting to kind of expand on that. Yeah, sure. So I think we started talking about how well-being cultures of care can be something that's sort of a bit of an add-on. And so what we try to talk about is how to develop a meaningful culture around self-care and cultures of care. Self-care, particularly in the last few years, has been really commercialized and commodified. So it really has, isn't it? It's everywhere. Yeah, it's something that we can buy. I mean, you know, we have to spend yeah. money on to... It's green to, juice and yoga. Yeah, <laughs> to be able to look after ourselves. And so that places it in this really interesting position of, you know, increasingly seen as only accessible by quite a privileged group of people that can af- afford in inverted commas to do self-care but it also lends itself to a very individualistic view towards it so seen increasingly I think is something that an individual is responsible for so you know you should be caring for yourself you should be doing your self-care well a it means that companies kind of are off the hook <laughs> a little bit mm. with their staff but it becomes a bit meaningless if companies don't really understand what that means and why it's needed and is a really critical part of their business potentially something that will improve staff retention improve performance you know attract the right types of staff it's it's not just a nice to have which I think is is often seen as so we talk about self-care as well as cultures of care and the reason is because we want to move slightly away from that individualistic view and responsibility towards self-care towards something that we all collectively within an organization are responsible for and that the organization itself invests in in a, in a way that really means something rather than as in a tokenistic way we believe that self-care is and cultures of care is really vital to feminist leadership because if we as feminist leaders, if you're defining yourself as a feminist leader, don't understand our own needs and take care of them and how to take care of them, how can we possibly continue the hard work of social change? So, you know, if we're trying to make a positive change in the world, it is really hard. Like we're coming up against huge structures of inequality and power. You know, we need to be really resilient in the face of those things. So, how can we ensure that we're looking after ourselves and our colleagues, co-workers, 
leaders to be able to continue doing that work for the long term. So as leaders, we have a responsibility to build those cultures and promote care both of ourselves, so by setting an example, and each other so that we can promote well-being. You know, the last 10 months, you touched on this earlier, has really shown us that that is more important than ever. We're all in such different working circumstances. We're all increasingly isolated by working from home. We, our work and home lives have kind of blurred into one huge mass where often, you know, we don't have much of a, a break between waking up and starting work. We're surrounded by caring responsibilities with children being homeschooled or, or other caring responsibilities. And so now is more critical time than ever, I think, to really look at how your organisation is responding to that and making sure Sure that staff are, are well cared for. Is there anything that you've seen and you thought, yeah, that's really like hitting the spot? Things like talking about working hours, so like implementing a kind of cross the organisation policy of eighty percent working hours, and you don't need to explain yourself. Everyone is expected to work eighty percent of their working hours. If you work more, brilliant. If you don't, that's fine. That brings with it like lots of questions around trust and and things like that. But I think it can send a really clear message to staff that. They are trusted and they're, and it's really acknowledged that they're working under difficult circumstances. Investing in like specific well-being activities, so just providing spaces to talk about well-being and, and how everyone's doing in a way that isn't just a kind of item at the end of an agenda that gets mm-hmm. knocked off the end of a meeting. Like there's dedicated spaces to, to talk about it. I've seen examples of staff being given an extra amount in their paycheck every month to spend on a well-being activity, whatever that might be. Again, that kind of goes to the trust thing because you're, you're giving people the choice to invest in something that's appropriate to their needs, not necessarily mm-hmm. something that your chief exec thinks is what everyone needs. <laughs> and just acknowledging, I think, that we're facing really difficult times and being really open about that, not expecting that we're going to be able to continue on as business as usual, but allowing and creating really creative spaces to come up with different solutions, different ways of working, you know, responding to the evolving situation we're finding ourselves in. The kind of question of trust is really interesting. And I know it's something that the team at Bright are trying to really work on is how to instill that trust and and one thing they're doing actually is um yeah with things like slack where you you feel like sometimes you have to be 100% online all the time and, and visible and actually they kind of are putting in a thing in place where it's okay just to turn your notifications off and not have a reason or you are picking up the kids like that's that's cool you you know you don't really have to explain it you just can turn off for an hour or two and no one's going to question you because everyone understands that people have these different responsibilities and and everyone's kind of trying to work it out themselves but I think yeah trust is um a huge I think a huge part of self-care and a culture of care and making people feel like they're empowered to work in the way that suits them best and I think that's something that is interesting because I think like you said lots of people say oh we've, we've got this in place we've got these schemes in place but actually are they what are useful to staff or are they just what we are told by a salesperson that are useful to staff maybe one way of defining that is to do an actual survey of your staff and find out what they would like Absolutely. and what they would prefer over other things that's really interesting and I think that would be something that we can take that everyone can take away in terms of how to treat the workforce Mm. and how to look after each other 
So if someone listening feels that their organisation could benefit from adopting feminist leadership principles in the workplace, how can they encourage senior management to invest in a course like yours? So I think it's about an organisation understanding if and what benefits for them could be. And I think they could be huge. So I've talked a little bit about some of the things that we we discuss on the course that really help staff and organisations think about how their team, how their organisation can be more inclusive. So we're addressing those power dynamics like I talked about, talking about things like intersectionality. So intersectionality is a concept which helps define how people who might experience multiple forms of oppression can be supported. So it's not just about thinking about, okay, how do people or staff who are disabled need to be supported? How do people who are from black or minoritized community need to be supported? It's talking about those things as well as, okay, and what about the black disabled woman in our in our workforce? How is she represented? What space does she have to have her voice heard? And those are things that can really transform the way that you look at your workforce and, and include people in it. I've talked about the values of an organization. So making an organization more values driven and really living those values. So some of us in organisations who've developed values statements or similar, you know, they're up on the wall or on the website, but not often referred to. So mm. um, what we do is help organisations think through what they mean in practice, retaining uh, and attracting a more diverse and high quality w- workforce, I think is a really important one. And finally, for those organisations that are trying to make a social change or positive change in the world, I think feminist leadership practice can help you really live and breathe that that change you're trying to make. Do recognise it's not for everyone, but I think for any business that wants to make a positive impact in the world, it's a no-brainer. Totally. And we can definitely refer them to this podcast (laughs) if they want to find out more about how it could make their workplace a much better place. I'd really like to finish on knowing which leaders inspire you and why. Yeah, lots. Um, (laughs) One is a woman, an Indian woman called Shalatha Batlawala, who is a huge thinker on feminist leadership and academic. So if you're interested in getting into the detail of feminist leadership, I'd really encourage you to look her up. Secondly, you know, women who've worked in the UK women's sector. So by that, I mean the refugees, the domestic abuse organisations that have been running for, you know, four or five decades. And they've been practising this for a long time. So those women who, you know, set, set up charities in the 70s from their back rooms I really admire and finally I was just thinking about who you know who right now has been responding to Covid and I don't agree with everything she says by any means but Nicola Sturgeon I think has shown some real feminist leadership through the compassionate way that she's communicated to Scottish people and the world more broadly about Covid which I think it's in really stark contrast to how our leaders in Westminster have spoken about it. And, you know, I think it's quite shocking that it took until last weekend for the Prime Minister to directly address parents and the, the huge monumental yeah. task that they've taken on 10 months after it started. Um, whereas, you know, I think other leaders have, have been much more compassionate and careful about the way they've communicated about that. And I feel like Nicola Sturgeon's really led from the front with that. And it's mm-hmm. it's funny because there's been lots of talk about Boris Johnson um, kind of following her lead. But she has really kind of come up and, and said some, you know, said what she needs to say and being compassionate but strong. Yeah, so I can I definitely think she's a really inspiring leader at the moment. So, Nat, it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. And it's been really interesting to discover just how beneficial feminist leadership principles can be in literally any organisation. If our listeners are interested in finding out more about the 12-week course that you're running or just want to connect with you and find out a little bit more, what's the best way they can reach you? 
Our website, which is wearefeministleaders.com, has all the information about who we are and the course that we're launching. We launched last February and it starts on the 15th of March. And you can find us on Twitter. Our handle is we underscore r underscore f l and just search we are feminist leaders on linkedin uh, to follow us there as well amazing thank you nat thank you thanks for having me on thanks for listening to the big bright podcast make sure to subscribe to never miss an episode and check out our website at builtbybright.com